0: Hello and welcome to another episode of ATA with Danny and Ray. What should you watch this spooky holiday season? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Actually, let us all tell you because I am not here alone. How do you say this? Okay, I'm okay, enough with the pretense. Hi guys. Welcome to All Things Animated. I'm super excited to be here and to be sharing a bunch of films that we think you would enjoy watching this this fall this autumn this spooky time of year so we actually are gonna have several several we're gonna have several short segments here and we hope you enjoy them um (laughs) yeah we're gonna be hearing from like uh from i mean me jesse and gabby have got a lot to say like It is going to be a fun time, guys. So buckle up and get ready for the ride of a lifetime because here are the animated films you should be looking forward to this season.
1: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another um, edition of All Things Animated. Uh, It's Jesse and Gabby. We're going to be talking about two... Halloween films or films that are appropriate to watch during October. So, first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Coraline. Coraline is a 2009 American stop-motion animated dark fantasy horror film written and directed by Henry Selick and based on Neil Gaiman's novella of the same name. It was produced by Laika. Uh they are the same people who produced A uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Paranorman, um They also did Box Trolls, which is a movie we'll talk about later. It's a pretty well-known film, uh, especially nowadays. I think at the time it wasn't as well-known. Neil Gaiman's novella came out in 2002, uh, and there's a funny story behind that. Uh, I think Gabby can tell it best. Why don't you tell us the story behind its publishing?
2: So the story behind the publishing, the making of Coraline originally, is Neil Gaiman wrote it. And he thought it was going to be this awesome kid's book. And his publisher was reading over it. And they were like, hey, this seems really scary. I don't think this is kid-friendly. And so Gaiman was like, well, read it to your kid. And so the publisher did. And the kid said it was fine. So they published it. And then they started getting complaints from parents all over the place that was like, hey, you said this was a kid's book. It's too scary for my kid. And so... The publisher went back to their kid and they were like, hey, are you okay? You said it was fine, but everyone else is saying it's not. And the kid said, well, it scared me to death, but I wanted to know how it ended. And if I told you I was scared, I would not know the ending. And that's how uh, Coraline was allowed on the shelves.
1: (laughs) So I... I didn't watch Coraline as a kid. Um, I was an older teenager. I really enjoyed it for what I paid attention to. I have ADHD, so paying attention isn't always my strongest suit, especially whenever I was between the ages like 13 to 16, which is around when I watched it. So when it came out in 2009, I wasn't the audience who watched it. When I did watch it, though, I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't until uh, after Gabby and I had gotten together... She wanted to introduce me to some of her favorite movies, which included Night Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Frankenweenie. Just some of those same, some of those others like Tim Burton films, right? Because Tim Burton uh, heavily was uh, <laughs> heavily involved in this project. And uh, Tim Burton films are just her favorite style. And I can I can absolutely vibe with that. It's a great style. We were talking about this not too long ago after we, re- we rewatched the film. And I was saying that, you know, kids deserve to have thrillers, you know? Like not necessarily horror they don't need it to be gory and gross and, and like like uncomfortable but kids deserve to have the same like width of genres that adults have so kids deserve everything from fantasy mystery um, they deserve science fiction uh, historical stuff period stuff and they deserve thrillers they deserve stuff that gets your heart racing uh, thriller is a better word than horror I think I think it captures more so that you know kids want to be scared like think about the goosebump books those were really popular i didn't read them but those are like a landmark for some kids childhoods. so i say that this movie and the book that preceded it are a perfect entry into kids like thriller and suspense media
2: so he's done a lot of like saying about the movie but he hasn't actually said anything like about the actual movie So Coraline is a stop animation thriller about this girl, obviously named Coraline. She's the main character. She and her parents move into this apartment complex that used to be this really old house that was turned into the apartment complex. And it's around the time in spring where it's all rain, like no sun, just rain and mud and fog all day, every day. And so she's really unhappy because she doesn't get to do anything. She doesn't get to go outside or play with friends because she moved away from her friends. And so she decides to explore the house at the encouragement of her father. And she finds this little tiny door in the living room that probably would have been for, like, a servant's quarters to, like, hide a little door or something like that. Um, And whenever she basically... Forces her mom to open it. There's nothing behind it. It's just a brick wall. Like whenever they walled up certain parts of the house to make it an apartment, and she's really disappointed. And then she eventually finds out that it is not actually walled up. That is an illusion. It is actually a portal to a other dimension where there are people called your other mother and your other father, and the other neighbors. They're the other people. And she thinks, of course, at first that it's really weird and she doesn't know what to think about it. And then she decides this place is better than my real life. I want to, you know, be here as much as possible. And so that's what she does. She does things to try and figure out how she can get there when she's not trying to go to sleep. And she figures that out and it all works out. And then things start to get extra creepy because these people, mind you, have buttons for eyes, kind of like a doll, but they're not dolls because they can talk and move and breathe and all that fun stuff and so eventually she's like hey i want to stay here forever and her other mother hands her a box and says of course but first and reveals that there are buttons and a needle inside the box and the conditions of staying in this other dimension is that the other mother also known as the beldam has to sew buttons where her eyes are supposed to be and basically devour her soul And that's putting it lightly. So Coraline is like, um, excuse you. No, thank you. The rest of the movie is her and the other children. Well, the ghosts of the other children that the Beldam has devoured try to basically get back the souls of the children. And Coraline ends up defeating the Beldam and everything is happy.
1: So since I have become an adult, and again, Gabby has kind of reintroduced Coraline to my life, it is a fantastic film. I really, really like it. I think it's one of my favorite Tim Burton films, honestly. I don't vibe with his style nearly as much as Gabby does, but Coraline is a top tier film. It's definitely something that we like to watch every October now. It's like kind of tradition, that with a couple other movies. The writing is so good, and that's, you know, partially because of Neil Gaiman, his original novella, but the way that Tim Burton and uh, Henry Selick and just the the whole like like a studio brought it to life from that novella, they did a fantastic job. And the stop motion adds that extra layer of, I don't want to call it creepy because stop motion isn't inherently creepy, but because you're watching still photos of actual objects, not like three D models or hand drawn people, you're watching like like physical objects moving around. There's this added weight to it that makes it more real, and therefore the scares are more scary. The creep is more creepy. And I love that effect you get with stop-motion animation. Wallace and Gromit makes that super fun, because even though it's heavily stylized, the lighting and the weight and density of things and the distance of things, it all just looks so much more real, because it is. It's a bunch of still frames put together. That's the stop-motion feature of it. So uh, let's rate the film. So I think as far as the uh, spooky factor, I'm going to give it five buttons out of five. Like, it is a perfect scary kids film. And unless your kid is super sensitive or nightmare prone, which I was as a child, uh, but if your kid's just really good at consuming kind of like creepy media, like if they're Goosebumps kids, this is a perfect movie for them to watch. Because it's done so tastefully, and it's so funny, and it's just, it's good. It has you engaged, and that's what makes the scares that much better. So I would get five buttons out of five for the spook factor.
2: I also will give it a five out of five for the spook factor. Whenever I first watched it, I actually was like 12 or 13. um, And my dad let me pick out the movie at the rental place. I thought it looked cool. And I didn't know it was a spooky film. And so when spooky stuff started happening me and my sisters all got scared and we all had to sleep with the lights on for the next two days.
1: (laughs) You didn't finish the film, did you? No, we didn't. They turned it off. (laughs) They turned it off right at the point when the bell dam starts to transform, right?
2: Yep, yep.
1: And it's so funny that you like recounted this way because we just watched it with her younger brother. He's about 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And he was saying like around the time when you get to like two thirds through the movie, you know, we've already seen the garden and we've already... Uh, watched the the mice circus and stuff, and he said, there's no plot to this. Where's the plot? And literally, like, maybe two scenes later, the plot kicks in with the whole, you have to sew buttons in your eyes to stay here. And it's just... And the movie is slightly off-putting in some ways, but, like, it it lulls you into this false sense of security. And that's why you guys lasted so long in the movie, because you didn't know it was going to turn spooky like that. Yeah, you did
2: not know. Um, But if you watch the movie multiple times, it's wild, because Every little thing is so intentional. You watch it multiple times and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't notice that before. Because the entirety of the beginning of the film is foreshadowing. Like there are scenes in the kitchen of the other mother's house where there are these cute little portraits of children's busts, like children's heads. And then whenever you meet the ghost children, it's their silhouettes.
1: It's insane. And that's just one example. There are like a, there's a hundred hundred examples of how the animators and the writers and the actors and the designers put so much forethought into how everything was framed. It's everything is so intentional and you don't realize that until you've watched it multiple times. So, so with that being said, I definitely want to move into rating it at for entertainment. So I'm going to give this one another five out of five. Um, I'm going to give a five out of five, five out of five jumping mice for entertainment because it's really well done. I think the whole film is super satisfying. Like the conclusion's really good. The voice cast is fantastic. Uh, Coraline is voiced by Dakota Fanning, who has a great voice. Lawrence Fishburne voices the cat. And anything he voices is just a lot of fun because he's got that great gravelly Um, deepness to it. But everything about this is super enjoyable, Um, especially when you've rewatched it several times, you know, in in your lifetime, it just gets better and better because you can notice new things. So five out of five jumping mice.
2: I'm also going to give it five out of five jumping mice. Um, I absolutely love this film. Um, It has become my most favorite film because obviously after being scared by it, I watched it one day on Netflix when I was home alone because I was like, why not? It's been years and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I think other people will too whenever they get past the spookiness or they might enjoy the spookiness. I have come to absolutely love the spooky. Like, not scary, but spooky. You know, there's a difference.
0: Hi guys, Rachel here my recommendation for you guys is the film Kiki's Delivery Service. It is a Studio Ghibli film from the year 1989. It is written and directed by Mio Hayazaki, and it is definitely a personal favorite of mine. I re-watched it here recently, and I'm like, yep, this is great. This is gold. I love this. So, what's the basic premise? Kiki, the main character, is a young girl who has recently turned 13 years old. Now, there's a tradition in her family, and her family is very unique because she comes from a line of witches. And so, at the age of 13, the tradition is that she is to go out, find a random town or city, and get a job for a whole year. She's out on her own and making a name for herself in this city. And that's what she does. She hops off on her broom at the prime age of 13 years old and takes off for a beautiful city by the sea. And that's basically the whole idea of the film. She starts this business, delivering packages, she gets a place to stay, she makes friends. It doesn't sound like this huge adventure, and yet, just how Ghibli always does, it it really is an adventure, a beautiful adventure of young adulthood. Now, why would I recommend this to you? Why is this worth watching? Well, let me tell you. First of all, the artwork is stunning, and... That's no surprise at all. Studio Ghibli always makes high quality stuff and even though this is from 1989 it definitely holds up. It is absolutely beautiful. The music is stunning. I practically have the soundtrack memorized and it is one of my personal favorites. I also love her cat, Gigi, who's with her the entire time. His one-liners are the best. And my husband, who is not an anime person in any way, shape, or form, laughed his head off quite a few times at Gigi. So, maybe there's someone in your life that might not enjoy anime, but they might enjoy this film for Gigi, if not anything else. Another reason I really like this film is because how it explores the coming-of-age story that is Kiki's life, the interesting balance between independence and yet a need for other people. She's 13 years old, so she's not really an adult yet, and yet she has to get a job, find a place to stay, cook meals. It's a lot to take for a 13-year-old. And in that process, she meets a family that owns a bakery and they take her in as their own. They get her a place to stay. When she gets sick, they are there for her. In a lot of ways, they're like a substitute family when her own biological family can't be there for her. I think it's really sweet because I think a lot of us, no matter our age or stage of life, I think we all need that. We can be as independent as all get out, but in the end, we really do need other people. Another reason I love this film is because... It explores, and I don't really know how to word this, but it explores what to do when all you know how to do fails. Um, Spoiler alert, Kiki loses her ability to fly, and she can't do her delivery service anymore. And so it really brings up that question, what do you do when you're not passionate about your passion? What do you do when your creative outlets aren't fun anymore? What do you do when you physically can't do what you've always done? One of Kiki's friends that she meets along the way recommends not doing it, taking a break, stepping back and resting. Her friend encouraged her that with time, it would come back. Now, I don't know if that's the case for everyone, but I know in my own life, I'm pretty sure that's true. A lot of times I'll try to force things like creative projects and I know it. I know in the back of my mind, if I'm trying to force it and it's not working out, it's not going to work out. Oftentimes, I know personally, I need to step back and let go and let God do his thing. And I know that if God is in it, it will happen. And if he's not, I shouldn't be the one trying to force it. So I really love how they tackle that topic of what to do when your creative juices are running low. I think it's something a lot of us struggle with. Hearing that we need to stop and rest is something that a lot of us probably don't want to hear more than likely need to hear. So, those are a couple of reasons I really enjoy the film. Um, So, ratings. uh, As for spookiness, I am going to give it a total of 0.25 out of 5 black cats. It is not spooky whatsoever. It's just very sweet and endearing, and that's why I love it. So, I, I'm not much of a spooky, scary person, if I'm going to be honest. I can't really do scary films. So this is my kind of a Halloween film. Very sweet, very innocent, with very little spook. It's it's great. I love it. As for overall enjoyment, um, five out of five broomsticks. So fun. It's It's just a personal favorite of mine. I know I've said this a hundred times, but it's just so well done. And it's just... I love how Miyazaki can take everyday life situations like working at a bakery and doing deliveries and making new friends. It's not, there's one or two really exciting moments, but I mean, let's be honest, it's mostly just normal life stuff through the eyes of a 13 year old girl. And yet Miyazaki makes it interesting. He makes it seem inspirational and exciting and what has, he can romanticize the ordinary, and he does an excellent job of it in pretty much all of his films. So that's why I enjoy Kiki's Delivery Service, and I think you will too. Now, for the million-dollar question, if you are like me and you are also a Christian parent with little ones, what do you do around this time of year, Halloween, where there's a lot of Dark things in films and media these days. Now, I don't necessarily have the answer for you. I just know that for me personally, in regards to this film, I would be comfortable with letting my kids watch this film someday. But no matter what film or bit of media I may be watching with my children, I want to be having conversations with them about what we watch, about the good and the bad. What does the Bible say about this? And no matter what we discuss, I I want them always to see how the darkness of this world pales in comparison to the hope that we have in Christ. And hopefully these conversations where we dissect and digest, I don't know, it's not food, we're talking about movies, but hopefully these conversations will lead to discernment in their lives and That they'll be able to walk into any situation and say, okay, I can see the good in this. I can see the bad in this. And and I know what the Bible says about this. And here's what I'm going to do about it. So yeah, these are definitely skills that can begin at a very young age right here in our homes. So that's my suggestion for you guys. I think it's a great film. I hope you watch it. Remember, it's called Kiki's Delivery Service. Go out there and find it. And now we're going to go back to Jesse and Gabby. See you guys. Bye.
1: All right. So this is Jesse and Gabby uh, again. Welcome back. We are all things animated uh, with Rachel here and we have been watching um, animated Halloween movies. Up to this point, we've watched ones that are definitely meant to be spooky. They're meant to be like October movies, Halloween movies, um, you know, the spooky, scary skeleton style. To kind of break the mold a little bit, I chose the 2014 American Stop Motion animated fantasy comedy called The Box Trolls. This film was directed by Graham Annabelle and Anthony Stacci. I hope I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I apologize. It was based loosely on the 2005 novel Here There Be Monsters, or Here Be Monsters, by Alan Snow. Uh, this was produced by Leica as well, so it was the same animators as the Tim Burton films, um, which would be like Coraline and uh, Paranorman and, and those. It's not done by the same director as Coraline or by the same producer, Tim Burton, but it has the same feeling to it that all of those Leica films have. Is definitely very funny, because there's always an element of comedy in these films, even the the spooky, scary ones. And even though it's not explicitly meant to be a spooky Halloween movie, uh, the concept and the setting and uh, the storyline definitely fits in a children's scary movie. I I think for sure. Um, I had mentioned in the earlier recording we did about Coraline that the added weight that you get of watching real objects moving when it comes to claymation and stop motion animation uh, just adds, it just adds weight to what you're watching. I think it makes everything feel more real and solid. There's an impact you get that you don't have with 3d modeling with Pixar or 2d animation with like early to late, you know, Disney. So I've seen this movie twice before. This would have been my second time. No, this one would have been my third time watching it. Uh, Gabby, was this your first time seeing the movie?
2: Absolutely not. I have watched this movie more than three times. I don't know how many times, but I absolutely love this movie. It's so silly, but at the same time, it's so heartwarming. Um, and fun fact. So the actress who voices Coraline is Dakota Fanning and the actress who voices the little girl in Box Trolls is her sister, Elle Fanning.
1: So, that girl would be uh, Miss Portly Rind. I am blanking on her first name because she's referred to as Miss Portly Rind a so whole much. bunch. Winnie. Winnie Portly Rind. L. L. Uh, L. Fanning is the voice of her. So, mm-hmm. I love this movie a lot for the same reasons. It's very silly. Um, all of the streets are named after cheeses, <laughs> which is really makes everything very silly. All the characters' names are influenced by cheeses. Well, not all of them. Um, the main antagonist is a guy called Snatcher. So in this world, the city is run by white hats. They're the most prestigious elite member of, so- of society. They wear these tall, ridiculous-looking white hats. <laughs> and while they're trying to run the city, they also are obsessed with anything cheese-like. they got a cheese-tasting table, and they're very snobby, and they don't get anything done like your average politician. So... <laughs> Snatcher wants to become a white hat, but he's gross and nobody likes him. But He's
2: also severely allergic to cheese.
1: Oh, and he, he gets like cheese rage or something. Not only does he swell up, but he gets angry. He basically turns into like a really ugly looking Hulk. <gasps> it's gross. It's awful. Uh, but he really, really wants to be a white hat. Of course, nobody wants to give him the white hat. But in this world, in this place, at night, everyone closes their doors because these box trolls emerge. They're these little... I'm going to call them scrunkly because I feel like that's an appropriate (laughs) adjective. Uh, these little scrunkly, like blue, gray, green, little monsters with glowing yellow eyes. And they all wear boxes as like clothing. And it's, and they're really, really cute. And they're very curious. They're inventors. They're tinkerers. So they'll dig through your trash and they'll take things because they like to, to fiddle and invent stuff. They're very curious. They're builders. Uh, but everyone's scared of them because you know, they're little monsters. Um, they look really scary at a glance, but they're not. They're actually very sweet, and they have this whole underground community beneath the city. So Snatcher offers to round up and dispose of all of the box trolls in exchange for a white hat, and the city agrees. So he goes through this whole, I forget how many years it is, I think like a, like an eight year, like a ten year quest to destroy the box trolls. Uh, the main selling point that actually convinced the city was an event called um, the Trubshaw baby. the Trubshaw baby. So essentially, the rumor is that the box troll stole a human child um, from the Trubshaw family, so the Trubshaw baby, uh, and then they ate him and spit out his bones. That's how the story goes. And so they, they also have a, said
2: that he killed his father.
1: Yeah, they also said that the, um, the box trolls killed the dad whenever the dad of the Trubshaw baby went looking for him. So the whole city, like, they have these festivals every year where they basically, like, commemorate the Trubshaw baby. And they have these, like, weird plays and stuff where they talk about the evil box trolls. And they're the, they're the boogeyman. They're the boogeyman, right? Well, come to find out, the Trubshaw baby is living as a box troll under the city. This cool thing about the about the box trolls is that the boxes they wear, they're for items, right? So you'd like an egg box or like a salsa box or a box of light bulbs. And that's how they name themselves. So they call the Trubshaw Baby Eggs. Like that's his name because that's the box he wears. It's a box that has eggs printed on it, which I just think is a really cute, cute detail. Uh, eggs discovers that he's a human. He teams up with Winnie, who is a very strange little girl, Mm -hmm. very into gore. She's obsessed with the eating of the Trubshaw baby part of the story. Um, She's actually kind of disappointed that um, he wasn't eaten and had his bones spit out.
2: She, um, at one point, whenever we are introduced to her, she notices that the box trolls are outside and she wants to go outside. So she takes her father's white hat because her father is one of those politicians who does not pay attention to her. And throws it outside and is like, oh, no, I have to get my dad's hat now. How terrible. And so she goes outside and she's like, I hope they eat me. Like, are they going to take my toe? Are they going to eat my toe? I hope they eat my toe.
1: Yeah, she's one of those kids. I feel like a lot of kids are actually quite morbid. They're just not all very vocal about it. <laughs> I feel like you have to, like, grow through morbidity as a child because death is in the world. <laughs> so it's not like it's that far off. Um, between Winnie and Eggs, they essentially team up to tell the world that the Box Trolls don't, don't eat people. They're actually quite kind, um, but they keep getting captured and rounded up by Snatcher. And he's actually using them to build a Box Troll crushing machine. But the Box Trolls, they're so scared of people that they'll hide in their boxes, right? Eggs has to convince them, basically, stand up for yourselves, don't be pushed around by Snatcher, and we're going to show the world how how great you are. So there is a happy ending. But man, there is some suspense. And Snatcher is terrifying. If I'd watched this as a child, if I'd been like, you know, between nine to 12 years old in 2014 when this came out, I would have been scared absolutely pantsless by this man. (laughs) He's creepy. He looks awful. And his end is actually quite gruesome. Yep. (laughs) You want to tell them how he died?
2: (laughs) So, spoiler alert, eventually he... um... Whenever everyone thinks that the box trolls are dead, no, the box trolls are still alive at this point. Never mind. The box trolls don't die, for the record. They don't die. Yeah, they don't die. Sorry, spoiler alert. They don't die. But eventually, close to the end of the movie, he holds Winnie and eggs and Winnie's father hostage. And he's like, I am going to be a white hat now. White white hat.
1: He's going to be a white hat now, folks.
2: A white hat now. And so he sits down at the fancy cheese table that the politicians sit around and talk about cheese and forget to talk about the important things of the city. And basically, he um, eats cheese and keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then his tummy starts making noises um, and gurgling and like moving, like moving, moving. It's gross. Like there's supposed to be a child kicking in there. Like that's what it looks like. Um, and eventually he explodes into a pile of cheese dust.
1: I had forgotten this when we watched it, <laughs> when we watched it again, uh, for this particular recording. I forgot how it happened. Like I forgot what his end was. And so I'm sitting there like, is he gonna explode? Are they gonna do that? I don't remember what they do. Is he gonna explode? I'm thinking, no, it's a kid's film from the 2010s. They're not gonna do that. Yes, they did. <laughs> he explodes. Now, of course, it's not explicit and gory and gross, but it is quite, like, the the implied violence and gore <laughs> is quite apparent. Like, there's no way to sugarcoat he exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say, I hate to say this because you're not supposed to, like, be this kind of person, but it was quite satisfying after the fact to know that a man who built his career on lying about the box trolls, lying to the people, taking a good little girl hostage, and, um, trying to feed other people to the evil box trolls exploded. That was kind of nice that he got that kind of karma at the end. I'm just going to, I'm going to say it honestly. Um, this movie is weird. Like Coraline's weird, but this movie is weird because it takes place in an entirely fictional setting of this cheese city. Cause Coraline tries to be like real world on this side and other world on the other side, but this one is just fully other <laughs> and it's a, it's so much fun.
2: Yeah, so Coraline is, like, the writers were, like, stoned when they talked about it. But, like, this one, I don't know what they were on.
1: (laughs) It was much harder.
2: It It was way harder. Like, they just threw darts while they were high on something at a random dictionary list. And they were like, okay, cheese, trolls, boxes, we got it.
1: I mean we say that it's not like the movie's incoherent. The world that's built is very interesting and very cohesive. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's perfect setting for a kid's film. It's just like how did you reach all of how did you reach all of these different identifiers to build this world? It's just so <laughs> cool. It's very creative and I like it for that. <coughs> um, I adore this film. I forgot how good it was, since it has been a minute since I've seen it. I think the last time I watched it was in 2014. 2015 actually maybe 2016 which is still like a long time ago now we're in 2022 y'all uh so i'm gonna go ahead and say for this movie um i'm gonna give it a three out of five boxes for spook spookability it definitely has its moments of suspense it's definitely very different for the children's films that are common for this time like how Coraline was very different for its time it definitely is, it's it's quite different in that way. Um, it's not fully spooky, but it's it's definitely appropriate to watch in October, I'll say that.
2: Yeah, I'm also going to give it like, I'll give it a two and a half boxes out of five. Um, because it, it, it does have like a satisfying amount of spooky, but like, it's not going to scare you. It's not going to scare the pants off of you, you know? Um, Snatcher might. Yeah, he might. He's He's ugly. He is the spookiest thing about this movie, honestly. I mean, unless your child gets easily scared by monsters. Like, if your child couldn't watch Monsters, Inc., they should not watch this movie. Like, just saying. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's not that spooky. It's a good movie. Um, Entertainment-wise, I'm going to give it five cheese wheels out of five because it is a very entertaining movie it is very silly it is very goofy and the plot is very it's easy to it's an easy to follow plot you know obviously the plot twist comes and you're like oh my gosh i did not expect that but like it's something that is realistic it's not a plot twist that you think that they just threw it in there you know it makes sense like it's
1: not a deus ex machina basically a god basically that means god in the machine it's when a plot twist doesn't feel sincere it's like oh but secretly, they were actually this, and like it's not satisfying. Those are referred to as Deus Ex Machinas. Interesting. There's no thought put behind them, and those are in a lot of films. So when there's not one of those, it's really satisfying because it sets it apart as its own film. Um, in, just kind of in that sense, it puts it in that category of films that are satisfying to watch because of it. I'm so glad you picked Cheese Wheels because that's what I was going to do as well. <laughs> so we were absolutely on the same, absolutely on the same wavelength. <laughs> Um, I'm going to give it five as well. This is a fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. Everybody should watch it. Like, honestly, everybody should watch it. Unless you're lactose intolerant at the sight of cheese, then maybe don't watch it. But if you're lactose intolerant at the very sight of cheese, you might have other problems you need to talk to somebody about. (laughs) Um, I love watching spooky kids movies. And there are so many good ones. There are some that we thought about watching, like Paranorman is a really, really good film. I really enjoy it. It's a newer one. So like the special effects are really good. That's mixed in with a stop motion. It looks very clean. It's very funny. I thought about doing that one, but doing another Tim Burton one almost kind of felt like cheating, <laughs> even though he's the king of spooky children. Honestly. <laughs> there's like the Addams Family film that came out recently that I've actually heard some really good things about. Um, there's like Frankenweenie, Nightmare Before Christmas is absolutely appropriate to watch in October. And so there's actually a lot more to choose from. Um, I would argue that James and the Giant Peach should be watched in October because that movie is really creepy. I don't think it means to be, but it is. So I I just love this time of year because there's so much wholesome animated content that's spooky to consume. So that's my final thought for that. Gabby, if you had any final thoughts yourself.
2: Always, always. Have milk with your chocolate chip cookies. Any type of milk, but have milk.
1: But if you're lactose intolerant by the sight of milk, please do not. (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend anything else. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to us rumble, ramble and rumble and rant about these films. We love them very much, and we hope that you go out and watch them if you haven't or watch them again if it's been a while or if you watched them yesterday watch them tomorrow it's worth it you know treat yourself happy Halloween
2: happy all Hallows Eve